I will speak to you in the name of the Word, who was with God and was God in the beginning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Christmas has become about so many things for us today in our lives, in our culture, and in our world. Christmas today is about finding and experiencing great joy. And Christmas is about being with our families. And of course, Christmas is a time of happy remembering. I can still to this day remember when Santa brought me my own Millennium Falcon spaceship from the Star Wars movies. I couldn't have been more than nine or ten years old, but I can still see that Millennium Falcon in my mind vividly. And I can also still vividly remember my mother getting up and finding me playing with that Millennium Falcon under the Christmas tree at four o'clock in the morning that Christmas. It is as if her voice is still ringing in my ears as she threatened to send that Millennium Falcon back to the North Pole or to George Lucas himself if I did not go back to bed for at least a few more hours. Those are some of the kinds of Christmas memories that will always stay happy, joyful, and cherished. And Christmas always has its way of bringing them back to us, no matter how old we find ourselves. Of course, I think we all have to accept that Christmas is also a lot of other things that aren't always that joyful, happy, or cherished. Christmas in our 21st century culture has become more and more commercial each and every year, requiring us as people to spend and spend and spend some more. We need all the right presents. We need all the right decorations. We need more lights than our neighbor has across the street or a larger inflatable snowman than our good friend has next door. And we need to buy something for just about everyone we know and probably quite a few people that we don't really know. That certainly isn't the most joyful and easy part of our holiday season. And Christmas can also, we have to accept, be lonely. It can be sad. It can be depressing for those who have suffered a little too much loss, even if the memories that they have are all good memories. When it comes right down to it, if we aren't careful in the Christmas world of right now here today, it can all become incredibly stressful and downright destructive if we don't watch ourselves. And that's why I believe the one thing we must never forget about or overlook in the ebb and flow of Christmas each and every year is just how this whole wild, wonderful Christmas holiday started for us as human beings in this world in the first place. Unfortunately, it's that that seems to be the one thing that Christmas is having the hardest time staying connected with today. Christmas began as a great religious festival, the very moment in the Christian religion when the faith that would define us and separate us from our Jewish roots was born. Today, the religious heart of Christmas has become just one more thing that we find ourselves trying to fit in between all those other joyful parties sharing of presents and family gatherings. Today, Christmas is losing the very part of itself that makes it truly the core of our religious faith and hope. 
And please hear me out this evening. I'm not just talking about the overly politicized argument in our country over saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holiday this time of year when you walk into the grocery store. What I mean when I say that Christmas is losing its very heart, soul, and meaning is that even those of us who would never ever think about missing church tonight or tomorrow morning can still find ourselves not picking up on what is the very subversive underpinning of that Bible story that we just heard. And if you miss how completely subversive and even radical this story still is over 2,000 years later, then friends, you are missing the real message of love and hope the story is meant to bring to us in the first place. Now, let me unpack what I mean when I say that the Christmas story is truly and most importantly subversive. To be subversive is defined in the dictionary as being something or someone that is seeking or intending to subvert or undermine an established system or institution. That in and of itself certainly doesn't sound like our Christmas today, now does it? I mean, as I just laid out, Christmas itself is nothing less than its own established system and institution in this commercialized world. But that, brothers and sisters, I believe, is because of the fog that our busy materialistic lives have caused to block our very vision. If you can just step for a moment back into a world that still includes the unseen and the spiritual and, dare I say, the religious, then that might allow you to wipe away the fog that has so clouded our vision over the last century and a half. Then, and only then, can you really read the true and intended beginning of what is the greatest and most subversive story that's ever been told. It begins every year on this night with the story of the Christ child's birth in that town of Bethlehem. The writer of the story in the Gospel of Luke we just heard, waste no time, actually, I believe, in revealing what this story will be meant to subvert and overturn in the very first verses we hear in chapter 2. St. Luke writes, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, when you and me hear this today, we tend to just assume that this is there for no other real reason than to give us history and to make sure we know that this story happened a long, long time ago. It's usually just historians, right, who remember any of the details of Caesar Augustus and his years of Roman rule. For regular folks like you and me, we tend to remember nothing more about Caesars and the Roman Empire than what we might have heard or picked up in our history class in high school or college. When I was younger, I have to tell you, I heard the first Christmas story in church for the very first time, and all I knew about a Caesar is that they wore togas and had a pizza place named after them. What most of the world has totally forgotten is that at the time of Jesus' birth, Caesar Augustus was nothing less than the ruler of the world. He was a king who was viewed himself as a god, and he was worshipped as a god throughout his empire. Caesar Augustus was absolute power, brute force, and total violence. And there was nothing that Rome, under the leadership of the Caesar, 
could not take away with their strength, money, and the legions of armed forces on C- that Caesar ruled. And it is all this, far more than just historical dating, that causes the gospel writer of Luke to begin the Christmas story we hear this evening in this place. By naming Caesar Augustus, Luke is revealing to us that it is this form of worldly power and strength that the gospel story is set to overturn and to undermine, beginning in a tiny village out of sight from that great Roman Empire in Bethlehem of Judea. And Luke doesn't stop there. Rather than this revelation being delivered to the center of power and wealth, as we might expect, the writer of the gospel tells us in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, that God instead sends his angels to announce the birth of the Christ child to poor shepherds working in the fields at night. Now, to be a shepherd was to be less than a field hand. And to be a shepherd on the late night shift in the cold of Judea was just a little short of being unemployable altogether. And yet this is who God chooses to send his angels, to invite these lowly shepherds to be the bearers of the message to the people, beginning Jesus' mission that, as we all know, is made up of the first being last and the last being first in God's restarting of the world as God intended it to be when he created it in the beginning. And when the shepherds make it there to the stable and they move their way through the sheep and the cattle and the smells and the sounds of that place, they find a new version of what power should be in the humility, the innocence, and the utter helplessness of a tiny baby lying in a feeding trough for the livestock. What they do not know in that moment is that that baby they encounter sleeping in the place where the animals will feed the next day will become nothing less than the very bread of life which we receive when we gather around this altar to feed us and to make us the children of God. And that same baby they see wrapped in swaddling clothes after his birth will be so despised and hated as he moves through the fallen world that is controlled by Caesars and kings, that they will wrap him in bands of cloth again after he dies on a cross, only to have Jesus cast off swaddling clothes once and for all when he subverts nothing less than death itself, turning death upside down and opening the doors for all of us who follow him to receive salvation and to find life that can be eternal. This, brothers and sisters, is a radical story. And it's that radical story the first Christmas sets in motion. It is a subversive message of good news. We Christians simply cannot afford to lose sight of or to slip away from in the Christmas that we celebrate tonight and over these next 12 days and every day that follows. One of our greatest 20th century Anglican writers and Christian apologists, Clive Staples Lewis, saw that first Christmas this way. An enemy occupied territory, that is what this world is. Christianity begins with the story 
of how the rightful king lands among us. You might say that he landed in disguise and he is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Think about that when you watch It's a Wonderful Life this weekend. Friends, C.S. Lewis is absolutely correct. We are witnessing again tonight a clandestine entrance behind enemy lines to subvert and overturn the sickness and the evil and the darkness and the death that has overtaken this world and to bring us back to the love and the humility that is what we are when we ourselves were born to live into that life as children of God. That, I believe, is the heart and soul and the message that we have to remember and that we have to cling to and that we have to go out and share with this world on this most holy of nights and in the joy of the world and life that follows. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Merry Christmas. Amen.